0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. It's the Week 11 edition. The Packers had a tough game this past weekend, losing to the Minnesota Vikings on the road, 34-31. to So much to get into. An offensive performance of the ages for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Huge day in the air. However, Another devastating injury suffered by the Packers. They just c- can't seem to catch a break. And on the defensive side, after being praised all week long by everyone in the media, the Packers, defense did not have the best day. So much to get into. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! Soup, soup, soup. Super Bowl, Super super, super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super super, super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super super, super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan, here in studio with me.
1: Is Chris? Chris, how you doing, Packers fans? I have returned. Joe, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
0: Oh, I could be doing a little bit better on this Monday after. It's never a good Monday after a loss. It always feels much better waking up on a Monday after a Packer victory. Victory, yes. A lot of a lot to go over. Uh, But before we get into any of that, before we go over the this past weekend's game against the Minnesota Vikings tell me how was your first watching experience like as a true Packer fan after your voyage out to Green Bay and you have had your heart filled with the green and gold how was the experience watching
1: the Packers
0: for the very first time with this new perspective on them
1: um more enjoyable I guess you can say I understand what I want to be watching on the field now and What I'm looking for offensively and defensively, and now I just care much, much more. It impacts my day much, much more than it did. And I don't resent them anymore. I resented them in the beginning, and I resented them winning in the beginning, and I love it more than anything now.
0: Well, why would you resent their victories in the past? Because it would bring me so much joy. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little
1: overzealous at times as, you know, just a fellow football fan. If my team didn't win and the Packers won, yes. I
0: can't stand the Patriots.
1: Oh, yeah, but it's all right. It's all right. Mac Mac Jones looks good.
0: He does. He does. And another team I can't stand is the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota
1: (laughs) Vikings and Kirk Cousins specifically. Oh,
0: goodness. So everything about their team just makes me sick and... Knowing that they they all woke up this morning feeling so good about themselves after their slight victory over the Green Packers, a three-point nail-biter. I mean, I know that they're feeling good today. I have a buddy, my buddy Borghese. Shout-out to Borghese. He's a huge Vikings fan. And all day, well, all week leading up to the game, we've been chirping one another via text message. And I just know that he's been loving every second of his life since the Packers lost to the Vikings on Sunday. Um, The Packers lost 34-31 in Minnesota. Defensively for the Packers, really was not the best performance. They couldn't stop the Vikings on third down. They hardly applied any pressure to Kirk Cousins. And when they did, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were able to win their matchups, and Kirk Cousins was finding the open man. Um, Kirk Cousins was also bailed out a couple of times throughout the game. Two interceptions were taken off the board. And many of Kirk Cousins' drives were extended thanks to penalty flags. But before we get into all of that, uh, we're obviously going to go over the offensive side of the football first, but to start off the show... Unfortunately, this is the way it needs to start, but there was a devastating injury on Sunday, yet another devastating injury. And this time, unfortunately, it was to no one other than Elton Jenkins. It was confirmed via Schefter, half-hour wrap. I don't remember which one of them, one of those two guys reported after the game that Ellen Jenkins tore his ACL, and he will be missing the remainder of the season. And that's about as devastating a blow as there could possibly be at this stage of the the year. The Packers' offensive line has been struggling with injuries all season long. Even in the offseason, all OTAs, all training camp, the whole discussion was surrounding the fact that the Packers' offensive line was banged up And that it was going to be a handful of weeks before they're back at full force. And during that time, uh, we had numerous injuries strike the offensive line. I mean, Elton Jenkins got hurt earlier in the year with an ankle ordeal. You always think maybe him having a hurt ankle, something he was running different. or You know what I mean? He was favoring the leg. Was it the same leg as the ankle I'm not entirely sure. That's just neither here nor there but we he, he got hurt and then Myers went down early the rookie center so we've been dealing with the the combination of Runyon LP and Newman in this interior of the line and all year we've been saying just wait until Bach comes back and we, we can move Elton anywhere we want once Bach comes back and plays left tackle because as we know l Jenkins he could play all five positions along the offensive line and Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that is ever going to happen or the offensive line won't be back at full force this season. And being that Bakhtiari did face a setback at practice last week, and he might not be back until the middle or late of December, for the time being, the Green Bay Packers, they're – next man up mentality. I mean it's gonna be who it's gonna look like Josh Nyman who in his ten snaps on Sunday did a good fine job protecting Aaron Rodgers. Runyon, LP, Newman, and Billy Turner. And that's gonna be the guys we gotta roll with. But I could not feel worse for Alan Jenkins. It was a tough play to watch. I mean his knee just gave out on him while he was making such an athletic backstep and, <laughs> and, and picking up the rushing end I mean it was a crazy he picked him up unfortunately he just got injured in the process uh,
1: Chris anything to say about the unfortunate an- Jenkins injury I mean I was just excited to see the uh the positive performance of what I would think would be a positive uh, improvement of the offensive line with the tandem of Bach and Elton Jenkins but Hey, sacrifice the ACL to make a play. Got to respect it. Elton, I hope you feel better soon. Uh, you know,
0: sacrifice the ACL to make a play. I don't think that was his intention while making that powerful cutback. But uh, Elton, good luck in recovery. you got all Packer Nation behind you. <laughs> and take your time, and uh, we'll be thinking about you, sending out the positive energy your way. and. We know that when you return, you're going to pick up right where you left off as the most badass offensive lineman in the National Football the most League. most
1: versatile as well. A
0: man who could play all five positions at a Pro Bowl level. And just like you're a all-pro on the field, I believe you will be an all-pro when it comes to recovery as well. And um, my, my heart goes out to you. You will be missed. And, hey. Your guys in that room will step up in your absence. It's uh, This Packers team has suffered so many injuries this season, more injuries than I remember any season in the past, like just devastating injury after devastating injury. I mean, Bach's been out, obviously. Z- Zadarius has missed the majority of the season. Jair's been out a long time. Kevin King's always in and out, obviously. Jenkins missed some time this year. Myers has been down. now. Aaron Jones is out right now. Aaron with the – everything, this whole season has been uh, riddled with adversity. But just like this Packers team has done time and time again, I believe they will step up, play well next week, and get to the bye. And hopefully after the bye, guys, could come back a little healthy. Offensively, though, the Packers, they took nearly the entire first half to get anything going on Sunday. They were crippled by penalties for the whole game. Eight penalties, giving up, costing them 92 total yards. But in the first half alone, they had six penalties, costing them 77 yards. Um, There were devastating and even some bogus defensive penalties that hurt the Packers that we will address Later on in the show. But on the offensive side of the ball, the Packers were constantly facing third and longs. And and having big gains called back due to holds and illegal hands-to-the-face penalties. like Left and right. It was just uncharacteristic for this Packers team to have so many penalties. I believe they were third in the league. With third-fewest penalties in the league up until this point. So to have a game just especially the first half 6 for 77 yards. That's tough. It's tough to come back from from any team. But the Packers were able to do so cuz once it started clicking on the offensive side of the ball, they looked unstoppable. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. Finished the day 23 for 33 385 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 148 passer rating. That's the highest passer rating he's ever had in a loss. The last one coming to the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. Of course. The last game of the year in 2012. I believe he had 136 passer rating that game.
1: Another weird little fact, Lafleur—he's only lost one in conference games, division. He's lost one two in division, division games. games, and well, and they're both now yeah. to the Minnesota Vikings, the damn Vikings. And I'm—I could be mis- wrong, but I'm almost positive that was by a field goal as well. Unfortunately, unless it was a yeah. different score, but not here or nor there. Up, oh, Joe's getting it for us here, yeah, cheeseheads. I, I
0: remember—I don't remember the exact score of that game,
1: but either way. Just devastating from the Vikings. Uh, I mean, Joe disagreed with me with this take. They I, lost
0: by six. That game. Six.
1: Oh, was it two yeah. field goal? I hope it wasn't two field goals. It probably wasn't. But Aaron looked good. Joe disagreed with me that Aaron looked a little uncomfortable to start the game. I thought. It, I don't know if it's the pressure that was getting to him or his toe. Or what it was, but once he settled in, man, he looked good. But I, uh, yeah. I he, he looked a little uncomfortable coming off the Seahawks game and into this game.
0: He is battling that toe that injury, that wretched toe injury um, yes. that he suffered during his COVID week, and, and because of it, he didn't practice all week long. He, I believe, he got 15 or something like that walk through reps, but he he did not practice, and that would explain why he started the game a little. Yeah, there you out go. Okay.
1: All right, yeah, it was just you know just whatever. All was.
0: ten of his incompletions came in the first half.
1: Wow, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, he had the two bombs to NBS. He is unreal with spotting those plays I mean, and Aaron picking Rogers those plays. It's is unreal, just
0: unreal as a quarterback. That play where he rolled out to his left and found yes. Deguara in the end zone. That the first, was sick. First of his the game. first
1: touchdown. Yeah, DeGuarra's that was Deguara's first touchdown. And the yeah, first
0: touchdown of the game, and that was an amazing throw and catch. He hit. MVS for a first down on the sideline, which was a crazy throw. Crazy throw. Like Aaron Rodgers Perfect is throw. so good. And once he locked in on that fu- that final drive right before half with, with that touchdown to DeGuara, he was off to the races. Didn't have an incompletion for this entire second half. But just to touch on this mysterious toe injury a bit, n- for some reason, no one will tell us what the hell is going on with this guy's toe. I mean, last week, I believe, or right after COVID, before the Seahawks, he went on the McAfee show and he brought up this toe ailment. And he wouldn't tell Pat McAfee or A.J. Hawk what was wrong with his toe. <laughs> and then we get to the, this week, and there's numerous questions to LaFleur, to Aaron, regarding this toe injury, and he won't. they won't specify what it is. Let, yesterday after the game... When asked about the toe injury, Aaron Rodgers stated that it's a little worse than turf toe, is what he said. He said so, no, he said it was
1: worse than turf yeah. toe for, like, definitely. Yeah, but What like, the hell is
0: that? What, yeah, what is that? So we don't know what it is, and so all we all we could do is speculate on what it could possibly be. And before I give you my guess— As to what it is, Chris, do you have any guesses as to what could be going on with Aaron Rodgers' toe? Uh, Because whatever it is, it
1: seems to be serious. I'm thinking Aaron must have been catching a session in the sauna to try to sweat out his COVID, maybe. And, you know, maybe his guard was down a little bit. He had good vibes going on in his head. He wasn't paying attention and he just caught a nasty toe stub. Oh. I don't know if it was on the wood of his sauna. I don't know if it was on the exit, maybe on the entry. I just think his guard was down and he's just a little bit embarrassed. Think uh, it's a I stub. think it's a gnarly stub. I think it's a gnarly stub. At first stub. when you brought up the sauna, the I thought you were going to say
0: he dropped the hot coal on his I toe. was <laughs> thinking maybe he was doing
1: some type of hot coal meditation where he caught maybe a Pad of the toe burn You know what I mean That could be a, fa- a Bubbling a on the bottom Of his toe guess. I'm not sure I, could, I think he may have Just not been paying attention And a caught nasty a nasty stuff. You know maybe a nail chip As well You know what happens When you chip the well, toe Well that's could where I was Getting walk. with yes, the toenail yes.
0: I believe Perhaps maybe Aaron Rodgers um, is, a, is a Notorious Toenail picker
1: oh.
0: And he After a shower One day He picked a, his toenail His big toenail And it And he got it real short on one end, and it ingrew. So he has an ingrown toenail ordeal going on right now, because I know that those things can be painful and often require a minor procedure. Yeah,
1: self-medication for an ingrown toenail is not the answer. No, no, you need to see a foot
0: doctor. And he did say that perhaps after the— Bye week, he could have some healing with that. So maybe I could see like a bye week is a perfect time to go get that minor procedure Yeah, done it takes for the like the no ingrown. healing time,
1: minimal healing a time. Week. Yeah, minimal, yeah, but minimal, like, minimal. As
0: long as he's in those cleats and running around, that that ingrown toenail, there's no there's no chance it heals. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. My guess is it's an ingrown toenail, and that would explain why everyone doesn't want to say what it is, because it does it's not something I would be taken seriously by anyone. When in all actuality, that turf is toe a- is
1: barely taken seriously by
0: anybody. Yeah, and I think an ingrown toenail could be worse. Than Possibly, turf toe. yes. According to Aaron Rodgers, I had one back in middle school, and I was I was sidelined. Wow. I couldn't do anything. I was limping around for three weeks. I
1: think I've escaped an ingrown toenail oh. up to this point. Hopefully, they're gnarly. Hopefully, I yeah, uh, don't Aaron, jinx myself there. But
0: Aaron, if you do have an ingrown toenail, I just know we here at the Weekly Cheese completely understand. We sympathize with the ingrown toenail. But let's move on away from Aaron's toe injury because, obviously, his toe did not hold him back whatsoever. The man only needs 15 reps and about a quarter and a half of action to get back into a MVP-type rhythm because he was on fire. He really was. But the Packers, they did not really run the ball. They only ran 16 designed runs A.J. Dillon, he was running the ball at nearly five yards a clip, but he only received 11 carries, 11 for 53. On top of that, Pat Taylor took four, four carries for 11 yards in his first major action. And EQ had a fantastic 11-yard sweep. But outside of that, no run game whatsoever. LaFleur was never able to commit to the run due to the fact that the Packers fell behind so early. They trailed 16-3 to with four minutes to go in the first half. And then they were quickly down 13 again, 23-10 to after the Vikings' first possession of the second half. Um, so, luckily, the offense flipped the switch. The aerial attack got going and became dominant, and they dominated for the entire second half, which resulted in a huge day for not just Aaron and Devontae, but the entire receiving unit as a whole. Devonte Adams, seven receptions, 115 yards, two touchdowns, got the game going with a great 40-yard completion to start the game, and then, I mean, his touchdown catches were great. He totally humiliated the defensive back on his second touchdown. Aaron seemed like he didn't like what he saw out there. He went to call the timeout, but LP snapped the ball instead. The play went, and Devonte shook that guy out of his shoes. It was crazy. Sunday was also the first big day from Marquez Valdez-Scanling for quite some time. Four receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, that amazing 75-yard touchdown from i mean, the first play of that last Packers offensive drive. Two minutes seventeen seconds left, and he just burns the guy. Burns. I mean, what a crazy play! Aaron
1: was. He does not get enough credit for being as fast as he is, just because he doesn't get you know a lot of touches or whatever. But he is. And he's been dealing with that hammy all year. He's really fast.
0: Well, I saw a stat, an advanced stat, saying that mvs on that play was running faster than anyone has ran all season long on the really? football field yeah i don't did it give him miles per hour i think it was like around 27.7 or something like that i think you could probably look that up quick that's but, really fast uh, i don't remember the exact mile per hour but he did break the speed record for the season on that play which is just proof that mvs is back from that hammy and hey if he's grabbing four for 123 and a touchdown every week from now on, this Packers offense is going to be scary. I mean, when when MVS gets going like that, and Devontae is always going to be doing Devontae things, the Packers offense is just at another level when those
1: two are playing like that. He clocked in at 22.1 miles Damn. per hour so on I gave his 75-yard TD 6. reception. I'm unsure if the humans are able to get over 25-26 yeah, 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 you know, at this point in time.
0: I gave him a 5.6 cushion there. That's all right. Yeah, hey, in my eyes, he was running 55 miles an hour, dude. He's lightning. Yeah, like, the uh, fastest
1: of any ball carrier in any game all season. Yeah, good for him. Burner. 22 is fast.
0: Welcome back, MVS. A.J. Dillon continues to show that he has the ability to receive the ball out of the backfield. Another 40-yard receiving game for him. He finished six receptions, 44 yards. I believe that's his fourth 40-yard receiving game this season. He is just a complete running back. And if not for the Packers falling behind so early, he would have had a day dominated on the ground I mean he was rushing for five yards a carry yeah Uh, it just was not the type of game where he could have a field day on the ground but he did his job receiving out of the backfield I mean third most productive receiver on the day Equiminius St. Brown he made plays when he was called upon which was much needed in the with the absence of Alan Lazard Uh, And EQ finished two receptions for 43 yards. So EQ had three big plays on the afternoon. And so far, over the last five weeks or so, when EQ has had an opportunity to make a play, he has. And that's big for this team. I mean, EQ went years just disappointing all. And he even got released from the team at the end of training camp this year. But due to injuries and team needs, he was brought back and he's made the most of this opportunity and he's playing very good football for this Packers squad. Josiah DeGuara got involved in the passing game for the first time in his career, really. He had two nice catches for 37 yards and a touchdown, his first career touchdown, and it couldn't have been on a nicer play. No. I mean, Aaron rolled out to his left through a Perfect pass, but it was a tad bit behind Josiah DeGuara, and he had to catch it with his helmet and shoulder a little bit. And he brought it down. Good for him, and that's exactly what the Packers need out of him with Bob Tunyon being out for the year. I mean, we talked about injuries earlier, and I failed to bring up Big Bob, but that's another devastating injury. Devastating blow. And he was really the receiving threat in that tight end room. And with him being gone and Sternberger no longer being with the squad, Josiah DeGuara is going to need to be a receiver. And Sunday was a good game for him. And I feel very good for him, especially because he was receiving some scrutiny for the communication errors that occurred against the Arizona Cardinals. And to round out the box score for the receiving unit, Randall Cobb, one catch, 15 yards, not a huge day for Randall. Did not receive the best PFF grade. I believe he ran thirty routes, only had that one catch for fifteen yards. But he moved the chains on a third down. Exactly what Randall Cobb does.
1: And he was getting open. <laughs> there was a lot of flashes to Randall. Or I was watching where Randall was open. He, just, you know, Aaron couldn't get him the ball or whatever. He wasn't wasn't in his progression. But he he's impactful for this team. And I know Aaron is just more comfortable with him on the field. Yeah,
0: and he like I've said a couple last week and for weeks now. When the Packers need to convert a third down, Randall Cobb Randall, is yeah. that guy that's yeah. making that catch. And no matter if it's his only catch for the game like it was on Sunday or it's a day where he has two touchdowns in the red zone and he's contributing all over the place, he is such a secure third down option for Randall uh, for Aaron Rodgers. And finally, Dominique Daphne. I love Dominique Daphne. Daphne. He's not always appearing in the box score. But when he does, I must bring it up. Dominique Daphne, one catch for eight yards and a first down. It was just a complete game for the Packers receiving unit and the passing game as a whole. And, and I hope to see more of it moving forward. After going down 23-10, the Packers were able to score 14 straight points against the Minnesota Vikings and take a 24-23 to 23 lead with seven minutes left to go in the game. The Vikings would score on their next drive and regain a 31-24 lead after converting the two-point conversion. And the Packers got the ball back with two minutes and 17 seconds left, obviously scored in just one play, the 75-yarder to MVS. And immediately as that happened, part of me said, like, the deepest part of my being thought in the back of my head and in the pit of my stomach felt as if they scored way too quickly just too quickly but i didn't i couldn't convince myself of that like i was still pumped but i i, I thought it but i didn't really think it. Due to the fact it's Kirk
1: Cousins. But my, the only reason I was so not afraid, but they only had two timeouts. So it's like when you have two timeouts in that situation, you have to be certain that you can stop them on the first or second set of downs. I, You cannot go like three or four downs with two timeouts unless you're, I mean, even if you're t- Aaron Rodgers or, t- you know.
0: Yeah, and long behold, the Packers could not get the stop. The Vikings were able to drive down the field, get in the field goal range and, and win the game after getting extremely lucky three times in a row, Kirk cousins was able to pull it out. And unfortunately the Packers offense didn't get a chance to get the ball back and either match the field goal or win the game. Uh, the Vikings used up the entirety of the clock and they won. Um, which is unfortunate because the Packers. I truly believe the Packers would have either scored a field goal or touchdown and won that game because they were fantastic and it was easily the most productive game of the year for the passing game. And hopefully, it's a sign of things to come for this offense. Um, and hopefully, the passing game can continue to look as explosive and proficient the remainder of the year. Hopefully. And unfortunately, with Elton Jenkins being out, and who knows if Box getting back, the offensive line's going to need to step up and continue to protect Aaron. But if he is protected, I believe this Packers offense is just starting to get going. Defensively, the Packers, they were as banged up as they have been all year long after losing Whitney Merciless last week and... Being without Rashon Gary, uh, who was deemed to be a no-go after being listed as a game-time decision all week long. The interior of the defensive line, they played good on Sunday. Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki played great, and they did a fantastic job at generating pressure from the interior. Kenny finished with five pressures and once again humiliated an opposing team's center on national television the vikings had a backup center in the game i believe his last name was cole and he was absolutely humiliated by kenny clark i believe on the first play of the game for the vikings offense kenny clark pushed that man directly into the backfield four or five yards and kingsley kiki he had a great day again after the quarterback three pressures and he made a great hit on kirk cousins That resulted in Darnell Savage picking the ball off on 3rd and 5 late in the 2nd quarter. But unfortunately, he was called for a roughing the passer penalty. I guess when you slow it down to a frame a second in super slow motion, it sort of seemed like Kingsley Kiki went helmet to helmet. But in live action, in real time, it did not look like a roughing the passer to me. And I will forever say that Kingsley Kiki got royally screwed with that soft call. Soft call. That's all I'll say about him. Soft call. And Lancaster. Man, did Lancaster have a good game. Yet another great performance from Tyler Lancaster, who's really come on strong here (laughs) this past month of football. On Sunday, four tackles a quarterback pressure, and two tackles for a loss. After the game, he got interviewed by Larry the Rock McCarron, and Lancaster could not have been more classy. He said he knows exactly who he is as a football player and that he is nothing but an unflashy run stopper. And He didn't really say that, but that's what he alluded to. He said he knows his role and that he is a run-stopper. And since they knew Minnesota was going to try to move the ball on the ground, he was out there a little more. I believe he had 27 snaps, and he made the most of them. Uh, He also spoke about how at the end of the first half there on a field goal, he hyperextended his elbow, and he was in excruciating pain. And that he knew that all he had to do was rub some dirt on it and get back out there, and he was good to go in the second half. And he made some tremendous plays. His name was called Austin. Yeah, Tyler Lancaster had a hell of a game.
1: Go, Lancaster. And do you know, everyone who listens to this
0: podcast knows that the Weekly Cheese is truly a Tyler Lancaster podcast. We love the man over here, and... When I see him get in the backfield and wreak some havoc on a quarterback or stuff a run for a loss of one or two, nothing gets me more excited. Seriously. The 75-yard touchdown pass to MVS got me equally as excited as Tyler Lancaster engaging a blocker, (laughs) shedding him, and stuffing Dalvin Cook behind the line. Seriously, I love seeing Lancaster in there, and he had a great game. But – Due to the lack of depth that the Packers had on the edge with Merciless being out for the year and Rashawn Gary not being able to go on Sunday, the Packers were only able to rotate in three edge rushers and they had to rely on the combination of John Garvin and practice squad activation Teepa Galay to complement Preston Smith on the edges. Uh, Preston Smith was phenomenal. 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 He did his part. Six pressures, a quarterback hit, two sacks, one being a strip sack. Unfortunately, Goli could not fall on that. It was right there. Right there. Oh, but Preston was a beast. He was
1: always in the backfield, regardless of the situation.
0: Yeah, no, Preston Smith this season has been phenomenal. uh, And he certainly heard the criticism that came after last season. He took it to heart, and he came back this season ready to show that Preston Smith hasn't gone anywhere, and it's been needed with all the injuries the Packers have been suffering. But due to the fact that John Garvin and TiPA really could not get much going, in terms of the pass rush, they only had two hurries combined. <laughs> no, nothing more than a hurry a hurry out of those two guys, and both of them came Is from Is there a John funnier
1: Marvin. stat than a hurry? Yeah,
0: no, there's not. It's like the least significant form of quarterback pressure. I'm going to look
1: up who currently has the most hurries <laughs> in NFL history. It
0: could be John Garvin, for all we know, with the m- amount of times that guy's getting hurries out there. But, yeah, two hurries combined for the duo of Garvin and Teepa. And due to their inability to generate the pass rush, Joe Barry often was seen using a four-man front with just Preston Smith out there, and he ran more zone blitz than he has all season long. Uh, And as a result of this, Devondre Campbell was featured as a pass rusher more than usual. And for the most part, it deemed it to be successful. Devondre Campbell did what Devondre Campbell has done all season long. Finished the game with seven total tackles, three pressures, two quarterback hits, and he finished with a pass rusher grade of over 90 as I seem to have been rudely interrupted by an Aaron Rodgers State Farm commercial. Uh, I think Chris there is looking up the the hurry stat and got hit with an ad.
1: Yes, that's exactly what happened.
0: We push on. So, yeah, Devontae Campbell was a pass rusher. He was getting after it, and he had himself a great performance. There were three pass, uh, Packers defensive players with over a 90 pass rush grade on the day and Devondre Campbell was one of them, the other two being Kingsley Kiki and Preston Smith. Chris Barnes, on the other hand, he had himself a rough game. The worst game Barnes has had in a number of weeks here, just three tackles, no quarterback pressures, and an extremely costly missed tackle on Dalvin Cook during the Vikings' final drive of the game. That play allowed the Vikings to get into a scoring position. Um, And on top of all that, Chris Barnes allowed three catches for 41 yards while in coverage. One of the poorest-graded defenders on the team on Sunday. Um, And yeah, not the type of performance we needed from Chris Barnes, which is upsetting due to the fact that against Kansas City and against Seattle, Barnes was great. So it was a bad game, and uh, I expect him to turn it around. I mean, he's done it before. He's now got nearly two full seasons under his belt, and I trust him. It was just a tough game from Barnes, and he had a costly missed tackle there that basically sealed the game. The Vikings had it in the bag after that. And unfortunately for the Packers' defense, on a day where the front seven was wasn't dominating the game like we were used to seeing them. The secondary did not do much to help them out. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen had themselves a field day out there. I mean, Justin Jefferson finished the day, eight receptions, 169 yards, and two touchdowns, should have been three touchdowns, if not for getting downed at the one-yard line on that first drive of the game. Um, and he absolutely dominated Eric Stokes. When getting targeted against Stokes, uh, he had two receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. Um, on that final touchdown by Jefferson, Stokes just basically bounced off of him. Yeah. It was playground yeah, football. Yeah. It literally reminded me of playing at like outside of your middle school with your friends, and you just would match up with the – least athletic guy in the entire grade and just tell your friend to throw it up in the air. Seriously, he just tossed it up and said, "Go get it, Justin Jefferson." And Jefferson came down with it and made an epic play. And uh that was the story of the day for Eric Stokes, easily his worst game since Jair Alexander has been missing. And he had a rough time with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is a special wide receiver. He really is. There's no other way to cut it. Uh, I unfortunately could. I had to watch the game on mute at work, (laughs) so I couldn't really hear what they were saying. But I did see that they were. They must have been equating Justin Jefferson to Randy Moss the entire time. Yeah, like they kept showing Randy Moss clips and highlights and his thing in the stadium so my guess was greg olson was doing nothing but comparing the two fellows yeah and i think
1: i think justin jefferson like wants to be um in with randy moss and i don't think randy moss is um receiving him at yeah there's like a really yeah there's i I don't know i I didn't know that there was some drama there but justin jefferson likes randy moss a lot of course randy moss is one of the greatest receivers to ever live and
0: I think, I mean, at least through the first one and a half seasons of his young career, Justin Jefferson has what it takes to be uh, the second-best Vikings receiver of all time. Maybe first? <laughs> Maybe first? I mean, he's about to have 1,500 yards over his first two seasons. The kid's nasty. He nasty, And uh, he bailed Kirk Cousins out a couple times a there yeah. uh, by just dominating Eric Stokes. And Adam Thielen, eight receptions, 82 yards, one touchdown. He really had no issue beating Russell Douglas all day long. When matched up with Douglas, he had three receptions, 39 yards, and two first downs. And, unfortunately, both of these fine receivers completely had their way when being guarded by Kevin King. In his mere 26 snaps, Kevin King allowed four receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown Two receptions and 49 yards to Jefferson, and two receptions, 28 yards, and a touchdown to Adam Thielen. Everybody
1: wanted their piece of Kevin King. Yeah,
0: it just seemed like uh, when Kevin King put was Put me out on him, there, coach. Put me on yeah, him. Yeah, they all wanted their, their turn with him, and he did not have a good game. Uh, coming off two decent performances from Kevin King, he went right back to... The Kevin King of old, and
1: uh, yeah, the, the opinion on Kevin day. King is out on this show. Yeah, yeah we're <laughs> we're out on Kevin King. <laughs> I
0: hate to say it because I don't like talking poorly about any Green Bay. Of Packers course not. Player. I love I love Kevin King. And Kevin King has brought me many fond memories in the past, particularly in that 2019 season. But yeah, it's just he's constantly getting beat, and uh, unfortunately, going up against the Vikings, who, in my opinion, have the two best. The best receiving tandem in the NFL. One of. Thielen and Jefferson. I can't think of a team that has two better receivers than Thielen and Jefferson. They're they're both the bangles. solid. Even the Bengals. They have Chase, and then their next Higgins. guy is Higgins, but he's nowhere near as good as Thielen. You're dude. right. Thielen. The Cardinals, and- maybe? No, no, because who?
1: D-Hop.
0: D-Hop, and then who?
1: Christian Kirk. Yeah, no. Rondell Moore. Ne- Who's their second? Is it Christian it, A.J. Green. A.J. Green. Kirk. Yeah, you're right you're, right. you're None right. You're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. No, 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 no. Ah, they're nasty down there. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't know. Neither of them Okay, are they're the best. Whatever. They're the best. Thielen.
0: I would take Thielen and Jefferson over both Allen and maybe not Keenan Allen, but.
1: I would definitely take Jefferson. I don't know if I would take Thielen over Keenan Allen or. Mike Williams, you're not respecting Mike Williams. He was injured. Mike at all. Williams
0: is good. I mean, they're definitely a solid tandem, but Thielen and, and yeah, they're good. Jefferson they're good. I'll the put best. respect on their and, name. And they're the best tandem that the Packers have faced definitely, all season long. Definitely. And they're going to be the best tandem that the Packers face until they play the Vikings again in four weeks or something like that. So missing Jair Alexander on Sunday is an understatement. Uh, it would have been very nice to have Jair out when there. When is he supposed to be uh, back? It's an undisclosed time frame. We have no clue. He's basically week to week. Well, that stinks. Yeah, it really stinks. And hopefully we get him back soon. Hopefully we get Sidarius back soon. And hopefully the injuries just... Um, hopefully they clean themselves up. Um Together, the trio of Stokes, Douglas, and Kevin King gave up 14 receptions, 231 yards, and two touchdowns against this tandem of receivers. Um, and like Lancaster said, post-game, they just need to flush and get ready for L.A. There's no need to harp on this performance Bad day, their worst day in quite some time, and up until this past week, the defense as a whole was getting absolutely uh, praised from all over the place, uh, and just because they have one poor game against a very good offense, no one should write them off just yet.
1: And let's be honest, they should have won this game anyway. Or they should have won this minor, game. There barring a few silly mistakes, they should have won this game by at least a touchdown, if not two touchdowns. And... And they had the opportunity for the game-ending drive from my man, Darnell Savage. I mean, the guy was just screwed over left and right all day. You hate to say that and, you know, yeah. defend him like that, but he was as simple as that. If the ball is floating, it, Kirk Cousins throws an unbelievably interceptable ball, in my opinion. And every time I saw that ball just floating right above the secondary, I was waiting for Darnell to be on the other side of it.
0: Oh, he And he nearly was. I mean... The one player in the secondary on Sunday who played great, in my opinion, was Darnell Savage. Uh, he could have and should have saved the day and won the game for the Packers numerous times. Uh, however, like you said, he was repeatedly screwed over. Um, it started early. the In my opinion, bogus pass interference penalty on Darnell Savage, who was clearly making a play on the ball. Uh, he was going up for a grab. He wasn't going up to break up the pass. He was going up to make the catch. Yeah. If anything, I, he got passed interfered exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah, if anything, he was interfered with. Mm-hmm. So I did not agree with that call whatsoever. Uh, and then immediately after that, he picked off Kirk Cousins, but it was taken off the board thanks to the softest roughing the passer penalty since week one and Z'Darrius Smith um, that I've ever seen. And Kingsley Kiki made a great play. Darnell Savage made a great play on the ball, and it should have been a turnover in the red zone for the Minnesota Vikings, and the Packers should have had the ball going the other way. But no, Kirk got the ball back, and just a few plays later, Justin Jefferson scored a touchdown. Or that might have been the Thielen touchdown. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, And he also picked off Cousins on the Vikings' final possession of the game, which should have given Aaron Rodgers the ball back. Before the two-minute warning, I believe with two minutes and one second remaining. Three seconds. Three seconds remaining and two timeouts. But the call was reversed due to the BS rule where on an interception, the the guy needs to come through, have possession through the ground is the rule, I believe. Because um, I, I immediately thought to the interception that Kevin King had against the Seahawks where it was in the end zone, and he didn't seem to have come down with it completely. But since he was in the end zone on that play... it was a
1: touchback. It was
0: a touchback because his feet came down. But unfortunately, since Darnell was not in the end zone, yeah. he needed to come through the ground with it, and he bobbled it a tad. Yeah, I don't like really, um, yeah, Whatever. It was I, sort I, of like the Des Bryant rule when he had dropped that ball against the Packers. It's kind of the same ordeal. You know, he didn't yeah, completely remain in possession throughout the entirety of the catch. Yeah,
1: which is understandable. So I which don't, I believe maybe. the rule got
0: changed for receivers but not I, No, I don't think it got changed no, to receivers. Does... No,
1: I don't remember if it was the Packers game, or I was watching Red Zone a little bit too, so I don't know if it was one of the other games I was watching, but a, a catch literally got ruled back or called back because the ball hit the ground. Oh. I'm pretty sure it might have been in the Packers game.
0: Well, either way, Darnell nearly picked that ball off. I thought he did. It goes to commercial break immediately after it, and I'm sitting there. Uh, I was producing a Division One wrestling match for Fox Sports Radio at the time. And I'm in there and I see it happen and I'm silent, but I'm like, my innards are just screaming like You're I was eeping. going crazy. yeah. And it comes back from commercial break to a booth review, call return, reverse, and I was furious. Yes. A few plays later, Russell Douglas has a chance to pick the ball off, just...
1: Can't wasn't paying attention, attention or something. I don't know he what the just hell was get that. Get his eye on the ball. It's like it, it, he ran uh, the route uh, Greg Olson even said, so "How did he not pick yeah. the ball and,
0: and, and nonetheless, uh, Cousins got bailed out one too many times. He was able to pull a horseshoe out of his derriere three times in a row there and get his team in field goal position. And ultimately, the Packers defense wasn't able to come away with enough stops, particularly on third down, and the Packers lost the game. In a devastating fashion to the Minnesota Vikings and the special teams. We can't get through this episode without bringing up the special teams because Mason Crosby missed yet another kick. That's his ninth of the season, which is an insane amount of kicks to miss through 11 games for a guy of Mason Crosby's Just for anybody in general. Particularly for Mason Crosby, who coming into this year and throughout the first couple games of this year was on the longest kicking streak of his career. But once he missed that first one it just seemed like things have begun to unravel and yeah, this time it was a 32-yard chip shot. I'm not entirely sure what the issue is obviously, but it seems to be an issue with the operation, the entire operation from the snap to the hold to the kick. And yeah, On the kick that Mason missed, the 32-yarder, it seemed to be his fault. It didn't seem like it was that horrible of a snap. The the laces was good. But at this point, Mason Crosby has to be in his head regarding the entire operation. I mean, having a bad operation, a bad snap, bad hold a few times in a row— Get into a guy's
1: head. Well, he... the snapper's relatively new, right? Exactly. I mean, maybe his snap just isn't correct, and, like, it's one second off Ooh. or one second. If it's too high, and then he has to pull it down, and that takes an extra second. Yeah, that who could throw knows? Him it's off a... his and
0: why the Packers cut Hunter Bradley, I still have no clue. Did he I... play
1: a position besides long no, snapper? No, but he
0: was the long snapper for four years. Uh... He was the long snapper for four years, and you already go— and replace the punter, which was needed, obviously, but is a much better punter than J.K. Scott, but that's already a new holder. So to go and replace Mason's long snapper for no reason whatsoever, it seems like, yeah, the Cincinnati game was rough, but, I mean, this Wordle guy doesn't seem to be doing much better, and it just makes no sense to me, and... I would love an explanation from Goot himself as to why they parted ways with Hunter Bradley. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. You don't think about the long snapper until stuff like this happens, and then it's the only thing I find myself thinking about. I I think about Hunter Bradley more over the (laughs) last three weeks than I have in four years. Hunter Bradley's constantly on my mind. I miss the man. And it makes no sense. In the last two losses, Chris— The Packers have lost by a margin of nine points. Bad. In the Chiefs game, the Packers lost by six, and Mason Crosby missed two field goals. It hurts. Against the Vikings, they lost by three, and he missed one field goal. So these misses are costing the Packers games. Games. And it could have cost them the Bengals game if it wasn't for their horrible kicker. So (laughs) that needs to clean up. And Mo Drayton needs to figure it out. He's the new special teams coordinator. He was promoted from the Packers coaching staff to the special teams coordinator role. And, yeah, the Packers haven't had good special teams in years now, but the kicking needs to improve. The operation needs to improve. And, quite frankly, if it doesn't get better next week, I want to see this long snapper kicked to the streets. Yeah. Because Hunter Bradley... Got kicked to the streets for no apparent reason. This guy seems to be given every chance in the world. Yeah, it has so,
1: Aaron on edge. Like I forget which field goal it was or which kick it was after, but it was on one of Mason's next field goals after the extra that miss. Point. I know, I'm not sure, but they had a side by side. It was a kick and Aaron up, and Aaron was like actually staring over, looking that he probably never watches for the, the kick, and now he's like locked on.
0: Literally for the first time since 2012, when Mason Crosby goes out there. I'm not confident.
1: That's insane.
0: It happened in 2012. He had a stretch of six or so games where he couldn't make a kick. And he, after that, he bounced back, and he was amazing for years. And now I'm feeling the same way. And it's not a good feeling, and it's going to come back and cost us more games. The kicking needs to improve. The fact that the Packers are sitting at 8-3 and three with probably the worst special teams in the league is impressive and it can't last much longer especially not with all the other moving parts on this roster and this team regarding injuries. Mason Crosby kicking a 32-yard field goal should not be something we all have we have to start thinking about all of a sudden. It really can't and I expect that to change as of today. <laughs> as of today, it needs to change. Ultimately, the Green Bay Packers Lost the game to a divisional opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, who not only are a good team, who are much better than what their record states, but they were fighting for their lives. The Vikings could not afford to lose that game on Sunday. If they did, they would have been four and six and five and a half games behind in the division. Done. A.K.A. done. So they needed to win that game, and they barely did. Despite the slow start from the Packers' offense, not scoring more than three points for the first quarter and three-fourths, the Packers had a chance to win that game. And if not for one break here, some luck from the football gods there, and uh, no roughing the passer, the Packers do win that game. So nothing to feel bad about. The Vikings are a good team. And they still have a lot of work cut out for them to catch up to the Packers. The Packers have afforded themselves a nice cushion in the division. And just like Lancaster said, I said it about the secondary, but it rings true for the team as a whole. They need to flush that one and move on to the next because the Packers have a great team coming to Lambeau Field off of a loss and a bye, looking to get their season back on track. The LA Rams are no joke. They have a great offense. Matt Stafford is playing at an MVP caliber. They have weapons all over the field. OBJ chose them over us. And on top of that, their defense is legit. They have Vaughn Miller. They have Aaron Donald. Their pass rush is always feared. And it just got a whole hell of a lot better with Vaughn Miller in town. And the Packers, their offensive line's depleted. Yash is going to have to step up. Runyon, Patrick, and Newman are going to need to handle Aaron Donald. The last time the Packers took on the L.A. Rams, Elton Jenkins was playing left guard, and he beat Aaron Donald. He was able to get the better of him, but unfortunately, Elton Jenkins will not be there. Bakhtiari most likely will not be there. And it's going to be up to the Packers' young an inexperienced offensive line to come in and get the job done like they have before this season. It's going to be a great game. We'll break down that entire game this Saturday. Make sure to keep an eye out for the pregame preview. I've been slacking with those the past couple weeks. Had work this past weekend. We're in Green Bay, so a lot going on. But the pregame preview will be back on Saturday. Keep an eye out for that. And yeah, if you like this content, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the video. If you don't like it, hey, dislike it and talk some trash in the comment section. I'm all about the engagement. That's going to do it for this week. You can find us on Spotify at The Weekly Cheese. Go to www.theweeklycheese.com to find everything there. The Weekly Cheese is everywhere. Find us on all the platforms. And uh yeah. You'll be hearing from us later this week. Chris, anything to say to the listeners before we head out of here?
1: No. Get ready for Chris's Corner later in the week, and let's hope everybody can get healthy quickly.
0: Yeah. And as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. Talk to you later this week, everyone. Hey, go Pack Gold. Come on, Pack, green and gold. Time to win that.